Killer Nurse, the story of Lucy Letby. Episode 3, The Arrest. It is 6am on the 3rd of July 2018. On Westbourne Road, Chester, most residents are still asleep or slowly waking up. The sun is gently rising on the quiet residential street, and most are expecting another ordinary day. However, at the end of the road, two police detectives in an unmarked silver police car are confirming the final logistics for a significant arrest. In her three-bed, semi-detached house, upstairs in her bedroom, Letby is sleeping soundly, surrounded by her teddy bears, pink bedspread and fairy lights. She sits bolt upright, suddenly awoken by a sharp ringing and loud knocking on her white PVC door. She jumps up quickly, her heart racing, wondering who would be knocking at this time. Wearily, she makes her way downstairs in her blue Lee Cooper tracksuit and opens the door. She is met by a man and woman dressed smartly. Who are they, she wonders, and why are they here so early? She scans them, confused, her heart rate increasing, beginning to panic. Lucy, is it? The male officer asks. Yes, she replies. Hello, I'm from Cheshire Police. Is it okay to step in for two seconds? Uh, yes, Letby responds and leads the officers into her small kitchen. She turns around to face them, wondering what on earth are they doing at her house. Maybe there's been an accident nearby. Maybe somebody's been burgled on the street. Lucy Letby, the officer says. I'm arresting you on the suspicion of the murder of 15 babies at the Countess of Chester Hospital. Her heart begins to race and her hands tremble as she processes the officer's words. You do not have to say anything, but it may harm your defence if you do not mention when questioned something which you later rely on in court. She blinks and stares blankly at the officers. The female officer pulls out some handcuffs. I need to put you in these, Lucy, she says and places Letby's hands behind her back and cuffs her. Less than six minutes since the officers knocked at her door, she is led outside in cuffs, looking pale and anguished, and placed in the unmarked silver car. She slowly gets into the car, and the door is shut. The officers look at each other. They've got her. She has, finally... Two years since concerns about her conduct were first raised, been arrested on suspicion of murder. The residents on Westbourne Road peek out of their windows at the scene in front of them. They look on throughout the day as more and more police cars arrive and a large police van is parked outside of her property. A big blue crime tent is erected in her front garden. It looks most out of place on the quiet Westbourne Road. That day, the residents gossip to each other in the summer sunshine in their front gardens. Drinking tea, they ask, isn't that the house of that nice nurse Lucy? What on earth do the police want with her? They wonder. This is the shocking true story of the British serial killer nurse Lucy Letby. Based on court and documentary evidence, 
This podcast dramatization examines her shocking crimes and what became one of the biggest criminal trials of the century. Due to the distressing nature of her crimes, listener discretion is advised. I'm Joshua Perry Parker, and this is Killer Nurse, the story of Lucy Letby. Episode 3, The Arrest. It is not until March 2017 that the Countess of Chester Hospital decide to involve the police and contact them to look into a large number of unexplained deaths. They write a formal letter to Cheshire Police and ask them to review the cases. This is mostly for the assurance of the hospital, the management say. They emphasise that there is no suggestion that anyone is under suspicion or that anyone is to blame. This is just to protect staff, seek assurance on the cause of deaths and ensure they have covered everything possible. Letby, at this point, is still working at the hospital. She's in an administrative role now, which she hates. However, she is looking forward to returning to work in the intensive care neonatal unit in May. Cheshire Police receive the letter and pass it to Detective Superintendent Richard Lewis. As he reads it, his brow furrows. He's been in the force a long time, but this is a first for him. He has never been asked by a hospital to look into the deaths of patients in their care. He phones the hospital and arranges to meet with Dr White and Dr Raj, the two clinicians who initially raised concerns about Letby. He meets them a few days later, listens to their concerns and says he will look into it. But Detective Lewis isn't initially convinced that Letby should be a suspect. However, clearly... A big investigation is required. An investigation is set up called Operation Hummingbird. Detective Lewis's first action is to meet with the parents of the murdered babies. He feels he must do this above all else. The meetings are tearful and difficult, as the parents, in anguish, go through the details of their babies' deaths. He assures them, that they will leave no stone unturned in the search for the truth. Looking them in the eye, he promises them that he will do everything he can to find out what happened to their babies. It is Monday morning, and the Operation Hummingbird team are in their 9am meeting. There is a strong smell of coffee in the air. Detective Lewis stands at the front, a large whiteboard behind him, and sets out the focus of their operation. He tells them that there is no smoking gun in this case. They should not look for one, as they will not find it. Instead, they will need to carefully, methodically, look at every possible scenario, every possible cause, and look for any potential evidence in each one. The approach, he tells them, is to thoroughly address and eliminate each possible hypothesis, one, by one. All of the eyes of the room are on him, while it dawns on them that this will be a long and complicated investigation. Over the coming months, Operation Hummingbird pours through mountains of evidence. The team meets with hundreds of medical professionals. They travel up and down the country, living out of suitcases, interviewing clinicians and reviewing medical notes to identify any possible causes of the deaths. 
one by one, they begin to rule out different hypotheses. Could these have been naturally occurring deaths? No. Could there have been a virus in the hospital? No. Was it caused by faulty medical equipment? No. Were there any untrained staff working at the hospital? No. The list goes on. Each possible scenario is methodically investigated and dismissed, until there is just one remaining. Could this have been a deliberate act of harm by someone working at the hospital? The investigation begins to look into this. In the back of their minds is the case of Dr Harold Shipman, Britain's most prolific serial killer, responsible for murdering 218 of his patients. They analyse huge spreadsheets, tracking every member of staff and their shift patterns, the whereabouts of all of them at the time of the murders and collapses. They track thousands of timesheets, marking X's down to the staff on duty, and within moments, a pattern begins to emerge next to the staff member called Letby, Lucy. As they review each shift, hour by hour, minute by minute, more and more X's appear next to her name. The pattern becomes clearer. What Dr Raj and Dr Wyatt had told Detective Lewis stands up. Let B was on duty at the time of all of the unexplained occurrences. Even more than that, Let B was the sole nurse on duty at the time of nearly all of the unexpected deaths. Having eliminated every other possibility, there is just this one that remains. It is detective work as old as time itself. As Arthur Conan Doyle wrote in Sherlock Holmes, once you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, no matter how improbable, must be the truth. And Letby is the only connection. Letby must be the truth. Letby is formally declared a suspect and arrested on the 3rd of June 2018. The police immediately begin to search her house. They are looking for any evidence to connect her to the murders. They search downstairs first. Letby's house is completely normal. It is neutrally decorated, with childlike trinkets dotted around, such as figurines of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. They find nothing of interest or concern downstairs. However, upstairs is a different picture. In her bedroom, they pull out two large shopping bags. One is a bag she got in Ibiza. The other is a supermarket bag. As they open the bag, they find reams and reams of documents and paper. Wearing plastic gloves, they begin to flick through the documents. They are hospital documents, confidential medical documents that Letby has stashed under her bed. In total, there are 257 confidential documents and medical handover notes, and the names on some of these documents are familiar to the investigators. Many are related to the babies that have died. As they continue to root through her possessions, 
they also find pieces of paper that she has scribbled on. Her writing is erratic and chaotic. It appears to be from the mind of a very troubled person. A female officer going through the sheets of paper stops at a green square post-it note. Her eyes widen as she begins to read the writing Letby has written. This is the post-it note in full. I can't breathe. I can't focus. Every day overwhelming fear and panic. I am an awful person. I pay every day for that. Kill myself right now. I'll never have children or marry. I'll never know what it's like to have a family. Her writing is all over the place, switching moods and thoughts. She continues. I haven't done anything wrong. Police investigation forget. Slander, discrimination, victim, all getting too much, taking over my life. Hate myself so much for what this has done. Panic, fear, loss, hate. I feel very alone and scared. What does the future hold? How can I get through this? How will things ever be like they were? I don't deserve to live. I killed them on purpose because I'm not good enough to care for them. I am horrible and I don't deserve mum and dad. The world is better off without me. And then, in block capitals, in black ink, at the end, she writes, I am evil. I did this. The police officer immediately picks up her phone and calls Detective Lewis. Is this it? Have they got her? A few miles away, Letby is now sat in a police cell. She has been given a grey prison jumper. She looks pale and disconnected. Her solicitor tells her that she is about to be taken in for police questioning. He says that she does not have to answer any of their questions. She has the option to simply say no comment so as not to prejudice herself. But she says she is happy to speak to them, to answer their questions. She wants to help them find out what happened to these babies. She enters the interview room with her solicitor. It's cold and quiet. Opposite her sat at the table, Detective Sergeant Rebecca Crawford. She watches Letby as she walks in and tells her to take a seat. She leans over and clicks on the tape recording machine. The machine emits a long beep as it whirs into action. Over the next few hours, she asks Letby question after question about all of the deaths at the neonatal unit. She is asked, did you have any concerns that there was a rise in mortality rate? Yes, Letby replies. They told me there had been a lot more deaths and that I had been linked to some of those. Detective Crawford asks, so tell me about that. What concerns did you have? Letby. We'd all just noticed as a team in general, the nursing staff, that this was a rise compared to previous years. Detective Crawford continues to question Letby, hours at a time, with short breaks in between. Letby professes her innocence, quietly, calmly. Graphic accounts are put to Letby about the baby's deaths. She doesn't react. 
She doesn't cry, get angry, shout. She sits there, devoid, detached, emotionless. Her defence will later claim that this was someone in shock, unable to process what was happening. However, this struck Detective Crawford as remarkable. If someone was wrongly accusing you of murdering 15 babies, would you not react, not cry, not shout? After hours of questioning, you'd break down, emotionally and physically exhausted from having to continually profess your innocence. But not Letby. In total, they keep Letby in for interviews for 96 hours. This is the maximum time permitted under UK law. After these 96 hours, they have to charge her or release her. After hours of questioning, going through each baby's death, Detective Crawford knows they don't have enough. Letby has given them nothing. They release Letby on bail on July the 6th, three days after she was arrested. Letby returns home, but now spends a lot of time living back with her parents. They are shocked at what is happening to their poor daughter. They know their daughter would never hurt anyone, let alone a baby in her care. They watch Letby become quietly withdrawn from life. They pray that the answer will come along, that someone or something else will prove that their beautiful daughter had nothing to do with these crimes. Letby receives a phone call from the hospital shortly after she is back from her arrest. She is told that she is now formally suspended from the Countess of Chester Hospital. However, she will continue to receive her full salary, £30,000 a year, while the police investigation continues. Even though Letby has been released, Operation Hummingbird continues. The promise that Detective Crawford made to the parents, that he would get to the bottom of this, no matter what, will be kept. During the next 12 months, they continue to methodically review all of the available evidence. In total, the operation has now identified tens of thousands of exhibits in the investigation. The operation is huge, complex and time-consuming. 11 months have passed since Letby's first arrest and the police are now back on the now familiar Westbourne Road. Letby is downstairs when she hears a sharp knock at her door. She knows it's the police. There is something different about the urgency and sharpness of a police knock compared to that you get from family or friends. Letby opens the door, knowing what to expect. The police say she is under arrest, now on the suspicion of eight cases of murder and nine cases of attempted murder. She sits back in the unmarked police car and is taken on the now well-known route to the police station. This latest arrest has been made as three further cases of attempted murder had now been identified, which investigators wanted to question Letby further on. In addition, as Letby had been found to have written extensively about the case during her 2018 arrest, Detectives wanted to see whether she had written anything further in the past year while she was under investigation. 
She undergoes a further 96 hours of questioning. And, again, the police don't have enough to charge her. Let B remains cooperative, but emotionally detached and devoid. She never gets angry. She never cries. She never leaves neutral. She doesn't react at the details of the baby's deaths when they are put to her. The officers describe the interviews as frustrating and describe her as beige. She continues to protest her innocence, her complete bewilderment at being in any way a suspect, and she gives cold, clinical replies when speaking about the baby's deaths. She is, again, released on bail and is free to go. It is now November 2020, and the UK is grappling with the outbreak of the COVID pandemic. The pandemic has slowed the investigation. Social distancing and the shutdowns of parts of society have had an impact. But the investigation is continuing. And now, the police think they may have enough to bring a charge. While Letby has been providing very little to go on in the interviews, further investigations and autopsies of the murdered babies have now shown what the police believe is evidence of deliberate harm. In particular, two of the babies were found to have been poisoned with insulin. There was no need for any of the babies on the ward to have insulin. There was no need for there to be any insulin anywhere in the neonatal unit. This could not have been an accident. Letby is arrested for the third time in November 2019. In their office, Detective Crawford and Detective Lewis lay out the evidence in front of them, the results of three years of investigations. One, the shift patterns, repeatedly showing that Letby was on duty at the time of all of the incidents. Two, the post-it notes, Facebook searches and medical records of hundreds of babies, including those who were murdered, found in her bedroom. Three, the autopsy evidence showing that babies were deliberately harmed. This was no accident. And four, after thorough investigation of every possible scenario, the absence of any other explanation. Detective Crawford nods at Detective Lewis. There's no smoking gun, but they have enough. Detective Lewis makes her way down to the cells where Letby is being held. She enters Letby's cell and asks her to follow her. They walk along the cold, echoey corridor and stop at the desk of the custody officer on duty. Detective Lewis turns around and faces Letby. She looks her directly in the eyes. Lucy Letby, she says. I am charging you with eight counts of murder and ten counts of attempted murder. Letby remains still. She doesn't react, doesn't shout, doesn't scream, doesn't cry, doesn't collapse to the floor, just remains still. Letby is returned to the cells and she is denied bail. She will stay in prison until her trial. Operation Hummingbird is complete. Detective Lewis and Detective Crawford should feel relieved. 
The usual feeling when, after years of investigation, you finally charge someone. But the gravity of the charges, the cold detachment of Letby, leave them with no feeling of relief. All they can do is hope. Just hope. They have got it right. And that a jury will see it the same way. In our next episode, we will examine Letby's trial, hearing what the prosecution said, her defence, and what she said when she took to the stand. That's our next episode, episode four, The Trial. Thank you for listening. This podcast was written, produced, edited, and presented by me, Joshua Perry Parker. While the podcast is based on true events, some names and locations have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved, and some of the events have been created for dramatic purposes. If you found this podcast interesting, please do rate, subscribe, and recommend it to your friends.